Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lords of Order, a DC Doctor Fate fan podcast. This is episode 47, and I am your host, Ed Moore. You can send email to the Doctor Fate Podcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the website, bigtimenoise.com slash Fate. Find the Lords of Order on Facebook and Google+, where there are pages on both for Lords of Order. And also, on Facebook and Twitter, you can approach me via Teal, T-E-A-L, Productions. That's the group of all the podcasts that I do. If you want to tweet me, actually, that would be the difference. You can already find Lords of Order on Facebook, as I said. The issue up is the brand new Dr. Fate number four. As um, I record this on Thursday, this came out yesterday, so beware. There be spoilers ahead. This is brought to us by Paul Levitz and Sonny Liu as the storytellers. Lee Lofbridge did the colors. Steve Wands, the letters. And the story is entitled Lessons. Finally, the first day of the new college semester is here. We see Khalid in a class, perhaps his first class, entitled Medicine, Genes, and Cells. It is administered by Dr. Agrawal, a female professor here at the medical school. Now, Khalid is sitting uh, in an amphitheater. It's an amphitheater, race seats and all that lecture hall, uh, taking notes on what Dr. Agrawal is saying, but also he is putting together a bullet list of things that he has to do concerning being faked, uh, such that he really isn't paying any attention to the lecture, and the professor singles him out. Now, he does respond, but no sooner does he respond that he again tunes her out and goes back into his own world in his head of issues and concerns that he currently has. Later that day, he and Shea are apparently in the cafeteria here getting something to eat, and the doctor approaches him again. She wants him to understand that she didn't single him out per se. He was just the most convenient example of something that was going on in class that she wanted to point out. However, she said, don't get comfortable because you never know when a surprise is coming. I like surprises. Uh, I don't know. Perhaps that will be prophetic in his existence's fate. It's hard to say. Still later in the evening, he and Shea are walking around, I guess, uh, the, the neighborhood. And and I'm slightly confused because at one point they are doused uh, due to traffic and puddles because of the rain in water. And she mentions that she has to get back to the dorm to get fresh clothes. So they're not walking to the dorm. I don't know if perhaps they were walking to his house. Uh, it's It's not clear, but They were walking away from campus, so now she has to go back to get changed. Uh, We break, go to Khalid's father, Mr. Nasur in the hospital, who is beside himself with his desire to contact Khalid because he has remembered something. Uh, Later on, we find out, as it pertains to the dogs and the cab accident and some memory triggering 
that Mr. Nasur has been trying to, to figure through, and it's finally occurred to him what he wanted to remember, and he's trying to get word to Khalid, but he can't. Uh, he is so distraught that an orderly or a male nurse there at the hospital is holding him down, threatening to restrain him, etc., etc. We then cut to a news report uh, where the news reporter, along with a scientist and a member of a religion, are discussing this change in weather. Apparently, this is not just a, a portion of the planet, just New York or anything like that. It's bad enough that the newscaster makes mention that several uh, small Pacific Island chains have already disappeared due to, uh, I guess, raising sea level. So this is a, a worldwide event that we're seeing just through the lenses of a New Yorker. Now, this brings to mind continuity. Uh, it would be really cool if DC operated in continuity, but apparently uh, they would rather shite on continuity than try to use it. So I have not seen in any of the other DC books that I read anything that bears on this meteorological, ecological disaster that is brewing only in Dr. Fate's book, and that's unfortunate. So, as I step down off my continuity soapbox, we see that Khalid has donned the helmet of Thoth and is going back to the museum. He remembers from his teachings of mythology, um, whether it was in, I don't know, a literature class or an actual mythology or perhaps archaeology class, that the thoughts of the worshippers of gods was that the easiest way to contact a particular god, their powers were strongest, in their temples. So he has decided to return back to the museum to go to a, uh, a mock-up or a display of an Egyptian temple. We see a, a quick display of perhaps some of the powers that he wields because he asks nicely the museum to allow him entrance and he he phases through a big window which is is kind of cool we see uh energy fragments but we also several of those fragments also take the shape of onks which i just that's cool to me so khalid is inside um and he takes a knee and starts speaking slash praying to osiris and isis because they are guardians of the nile and you can you can genuinely feel that Khalid is very distraught. He he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to do anything that he may be able to do. He's concerned about what's going on with the weather, particularly as it pertains to his father and this accident and losing his eyesight. And he he's just he's very very distraught. And and my impression was that he was very genuine in asking these entities whether they exist or not for help you know if they do exist what what am i going to lose by doing this if they don't exist what what am i going to lose that that's kind of the point that he's at uh, needless to say he doesn't get a response um take that to mean you know whatever you want it to mean um bastet anubis um yeah the wizard i'm sorry nabu uh, they exist by extension, doesn't that mean that Osiris and Isis exist? But he, he gets no response. Except as he's standing and is holding the helmet, the helmet speaks to him and says, Heal the world, fate. And then he gets whisked to this, you know, pseudo-physical, pseudo-metaphysical world 
inside the helmet, um, although he's not wearing the helmet. And Nabu meets him there, and Nabu's trying to instruct him as best he can without apparently just out and out telling him what to do. Uh, Khalid encounters another entity, and once again, no one will tell him what, how he is supposed to accomplish anything. Nabu takes the helmet of fate from him and, and shoves it onto his head, thus transporting him, Khalid, into a, a, a deeper world of, of the helmet, I suppose. He continues talking to Khalid, trying to encourage him via uh, pseudo-wisdom, rely on yourself, you can do it, rah-rah, pep-talky kind of stuff. Uh, to me, the, the most interesting thing about this particular panel is um, that there are two, four, six, eight inserts that each have a, an Egyptian, um, whatever they would be called, a hieroglyph or a cuneiform, something like that. But, but, Khalid in this image has the full fate helmet and the blue and gold outfit of Dr. Fate. The medallion... The, the long gloves, the belt, the cape, yellow, uh, top and bottom, bluish. So that's the first time that this, um, we'll, we'll call it retro uniform, has appeared in the comic. Oh, and something else occurred uh, that I forgot to mention. When his professor confronted him, uh, confronted him, spoke with him in the cafeteria, she was clarifying his name, and he said rather than Khalid, he has decided that he's going to go by the name Kent um, Nasur when he starts practicing medicine because Kent is an easier name to remember. And, of course, we perhaps know why he has chosen the name Kent. Either way. So Khalid is still uh, uh, concerned. He, he throws up some examples of things that he has tried to do that weren't successful. He just is not... He's not getting anywhere in his confidence of being able to wield whatever powers the helmet is is going to give him. Again, uh, Nabu takes the helmet, and this time we see that he is holding the helmet, and the helmet shrinks, and then he puts it back on a smaller Khalid. I, I guess this is just showing the the magicality of this this realm where they're at, and this time. Khalid is transported somewhere, transported at the very least to Egypt, and then we see to ancient Egypt because the pyramids or some of the pyramids are being constructed in the background, and the Sphinx talks to him as as, a, as an entity and plies him with, rather than an answer, a riddle, and that by answering the riddle of the Sphinx, he will gain the knowledge he needs to at the very least, know what to do, if not have to do what he needs to do. And the riddle is as follows, um, I believe. Yes, okay. Those deeds may be in your power, or may not. The distant future is not mine to see. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's the riddle. Um, fate may rule the winds and the flames, but neither souls nor minds of man. You have power over things as fits your strength, but not beings. To defeat a god can only be done in his place of greatest power and with payment of blood price beyond tears. 
give the god what he wishes, and yours may be granted. And of course, right away, Khalid, you know, he, he's just dumbfounded. He takes off the helmet and says, what does Anubis want? The helmet? I never wanted it in the first place. If he wants everyone dead, how can I give, how can I save them by giving him what he wishes? That makes no sense. Uh, and the, the Sphinx kind of poo-poos him, and he is teleported back to the museum um, holding the helmet of Thoth as though he had been speaking to it the whole time. Uh, so perhaps that is what happened as he stood and was holding the helmet. It spoke to him, and this entire discourse was on another plane while Khalid's body remained here on the prime material plane. Uh, that's a possibility. It's also a possibility that he was physically transported somewhere else. So you, you can't really tell that I can tell. Uh, no better off psychologically. He dons the helmet, phases back through the museum wall, and decides that he is going to head home. And he's thinking, well, if I you know, go and take this street to the train, and if the train's not flooded, I can get... Well, wait a minute. I have the helmet. I can fly. I'll just fly home. So he decides to, to zip home through the air and encounters a car accident. Uh, he pops down, rescues a person by just ripping the door off the car, helping the person out. We see a little assessment here of the physicalness of the person, Khalid perhaps applying some of his uh, medical knowledge, still human, in that he is relating to the human in, in the physical, not in any type of metaphysical way, even though he has the helmet of Thoth on gets everyone away. It's a, it's a multi-car accident. Uh, cars are smoking, perhaps in flame, I guess. is Yeah, it, it, the, the car is definitely in flame. Khalid tells them to call an ambulance, call a fire, call, you know, call all of the correct emergency response people. But then he decides, hey, maybe I can do something. And so he, he summons up the wind and rain, perhaps uses the water that is gushing around, uh, inundates the cars with water putting the fire out not really harming any of the other people we have a handful dozen or so people here standing around and they certainly look look none the worse for wear having been within you know five or ten yards of these cars that he just immersed in water continuing on his journey he does ultimately decide to land somewhere takes the helmet off stows it uh, one would presume in his backpack because he's walking around with his backpack here contemplating what to do um, faith faith in himself faith in his abilities uh, seems to be high on everyone's list that has been speaking to him uh, metaphysically anyways and so he's he's considering faith we we see some examples here that um, his mom is a lapsed Christian uh, because she's rebelling against her father's missionary work. His dad was willing to marry a, a non-Muslim, so his dad is Muslim. And so Khalid has been raised uh, kind of neutral or uh, a-religious, according to him. And so he's, you know, he's not sure about the concepts of faith uh, as they apply via teachings of Jesus or Allah. And he's walking by, and he and he notices uh, also, oddly enough, in this section of town is a large church, and it could be 
it, it, you can't really tell a denomination, but it is a Christian church. And then right next to it, at the end of a long block of buildings, is Olel Albab's Mosque. That's the sign over the door. And there's, I believe, a Star of David, it looks like, on the door. So, again, these two juxtaposed as they are in his mind. His phone buzzes, and he picks picks it up, looks at it, notices he has a voicemail. Now, I, I'm, I guess that he does this via his power, but a disembodied head appears over the phone, relaying the message that uh, Mr. Nasur wanted to give Khalid. So I guess Khalid is doing that with his fate powers. Hopefully, there's no one else in the area watching him. I mean, every everything seems pretty deserted because of all the meteorological, uh, weather, ocean flooding, all, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe they're staying inside or maybe they have left. We, we really haven't heard a whole lot about that. But his father tells him, I've been thinking in the dark, my son, and the voice of the fair who led me to disaster is in my ears. I've heard it before, long, long ago. It was before you were born, before I found your beautiful mother in the old country. It was the cry of a jackal in the night my father died. Beware the jackal and remember the blood that is within us. So, once again, the blood that is within us. That also was referred to him uh, as being one of the reasons that Bastet chose him to be the champion of Thoth because of that blood. He he seems a little more at ease starting to hear these same things from multiple people, particularly his father. He puts a lot of uh, faith in his father, apparently. And as he's walking, we see somebody call out to him, Khalid, fate calls you. And as he turns, it is uh, Bastet in the form of the black cat. And that's where our story stops for the time being, with the name of next issues chapter being confrontation so we're starting to see some um some delving into some themes that would be very possible with this type of story religious themes um khalid's desire to rely on egyptian gods since that is where this power seemingly originates um his his complete lack of understanding of how those types of uh, of things would work because he is a modern young man raised with more modern sensibilities away from the older times where his ancestors would have truly worshipped gods, temples, places of powers, all, all those kind of things that we we have now if, if you're religious, but apparently we find that he is not. So we start seeing those uh, conflicts Arising within Khalid, we see how he reveres his father, um, that he is becoming Khalid, uh, somewhat more powerful with using his powers that that he knows how to use, uh, growing into them, I guess, as it were, but still really not knowing or even being able to fathom what it would take to confront and stop Anubis, who wants nothing more than the death of everyone on the planet. You know, that's a... That, that would have to be a pretty powerful entity if they feel they can truly do that. You know, Khalid, he's just a teenage medical student uh, in New York. Muslim, American parents, you know, he, he really doesn't know. So, uh, 
the story for me is is going in areas that I, I truly hoped that it would uh, from that first preview and that first issue. So I'm I'm digging that. I, I'm liking the the delving into the Egyptianness of the powers of fate and the related uh, lords of order and chaos. I, I dig that. So I'm really enjoying the way this story is going so far. And speaking of enjoying, apparently Angry Hero enjoys the podcast because on iTunes. He left a review that said, very cool, five stars. Thank you so much for a Dr. Fate podcast. As a Fate fan, it's always great to see my fandom rewarded. Well, thank you, Angry Hero. I appreciate the kind words. And I, too, am a Dr. Fate fan. And I think it's cool that there's a podcast for Dr. Fate as well. Even if I am the one that's doing it, I still think it's cool that it's possible to do that. Next time out, guys, it looks like we have All-Star Squadron... Annual 3 to talk about. Yeah, Annual 3 dated 1984. Until then, enjoy. Talk to you next time. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.